What's going on guys? Your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host Josh Prepigina and I'm here with my good buddy Andre Rodriguez and also our co-host for this quarantine as well, Zeus. What's going on guys? What's going on man? Hey, how you doing guys? Zeus, you look like you have a haircut and I'm jealous. Yeah, I mean, I got it a couple, what, last week? Jesus, I need a shape up. Who could hook me up? I just want my beard trimmed. That's it. <laughs> Andre? Hey, my uncle got you, man. <laughs> Let me know, bro. Set up that in, uh, the appointment for you. <laughs> That's what's up. I will be talking to you after this show. All right, guys, let's get into it because this is our first weekend off since MMA coming back. And... uh or the at least the UFC coming back. Let's talk about some of the pros and cons to having these no uh, crowds because I've been watching wrestling for you know the whole time almost since I guess March March sixteenth was when it all went down. I believe that was a Monday. I remember because it was three sixteen day. It was like the Stone Cold holiday for the WWE. And it was just like, from the beginning in the wrestling, it's real awkward because they they rely on the crowd a lot, obviously, for their, you know, a lot of their emotions come from the hype of the crowd. But in MMA, I'm not having the issue that I am with wrestling right now. So I wanted to get your guys' opinions on that. I mean, we'll start with you, Zeus. What What do you think, like... I think it might be sort of a benefit to know ha- not having crowds right now. Um, yeah, I could agree on that. Like, for one, like you know, I guess just having the the word, um, just having the chance to like actually have a clear, a clear, um, a clear mindset to listen to your coach, and you know, you don't have to listen to like you know screams or like cheers or even boos. You know, all you can hear is your coach, and I, I guess it gives a fighter a sound mind on what to do, and you know, just to get that W. Andre, yeah, yeah. Going off of what Zeus says, like having the ability to clearly hear your coaches um, and the specific instructions that they're giving you is super pivotal mm-hmm. in a fight, especially when there's no one there. So there's really no pressure other than the fact that you're just in there with another person locked in and you have to fight and you have to win. So it kind of gives more of a mental edge to both fighters. But I think it is beneficial, you know, in the MMA aspect. But for wrestling, it it does suck because, like, literally their promos and most of their moves are usually dependent on, like, you know, how the crowd reacts. For example, like, John Cena. Can get in, can be getting beat up the first half of a match, getting ready for that uh, signature move that he does, getting into the attitude adjustment, and that that's all based upon the crowd. You know, he's not just gonna do it randomly. But you know, in MMA, you know, I think they should take the time to really appreciate this in a sense, even though it does suck. Because I know a lot of other fighters, they kind of gained their strength off of the crowd. You know, guys like I know Alex Oliveira spoke about it, how it sucks that, you know, having to fight without a crowd just makes him feel like he's not really, you know, getting the full benefit of his job. Yeah, so um, let's stick with the wrestling for right now. I don't know if you guys saw, but Mike Tyson is going to be on the AEW pay-per-view this weekend presenting the first ever TNT champion. The finals are this weekend. That's honestly, I think it's the, probably going to be the main event. We've seen and we've heard a lot about Mike Tyson recently. Like, is this just him? You know, we know he probably doesn't need money, but is this just like him trying to like stack up chips? Or like, do you think he has a genuine interest in like the athletes? Like, we've seen him with Francis. Uh, we've seen him talk about Connor recently. Like, do you think he has the genuine interest in like returning, not to fighting, but to like the spotlight, 
Or do you think this is just him like, oh, I know I can make like a few bucks here. So let's just run with it for a little bit. I'll make my money and then I'll step out again. Because if you guys heard his Joe Rogan interview, like he doesn't really like the whole like he doesn't he always talks about he didn't like who he was when he was fighting. And I feel like there's some sense if he sticks his toe back in that he can become that person again. So, like, Andre, do you think uh, this is beneficial for him as a human, like, knowing who he is? Yeah, because I think in this case, like, allowing himself to kind of be reinserted into the world of sports, like, you know, it could be good for him. And this is probably his chance to kind of right a lot of wrongs in his career. I know that, you know, at one point, Mike Tyson wasn't really seen as, like, the most you know interview friendly kind of guy where he had to speak to people and uh he was kind of seen as like you know a pr nightmare because he just didn't care he was very unapologetic and um you know he just was just gonna say what he wanted to say without really any you know worry about what people thought about what he had to say um but i think now it's like He's kind of more into the times where he's really just trying to help other fighters and kind of give his two cents on, on you know, the path to greatness and, you know, kind of what got him to where he was when he was a superstar. Um, but I think it's good for him mentally as well because um, he was a fighter at first, you know, like that was his dream. That was that was his passion. So you can't really take that away from a guy like that. You know, because he wanted, you know, other people do something similar to what he does, you know. It's natural. It's like, you know, me and Zeus, like, when we're together, obviously we're going to end up talking about jujitsu or MMA and, and, and you and I as well. You know, it's the same thing. It's just inevitable. So, you know, I, I think Mike just kind of wants to be in that environment, but in a more positive outlook. Yeah, Zeus. Um, yeah, it's like kind of what Andre just said. It's like, um, you know, it's like you can't take the fight out of a fighter or like, or another example is like, um, like a president, like, like a, like a convict, you know, when he gets out of jail, he's like trying to adapt to the normal life, but he's just so used to like that prison life. Um, also, I know you mentioned about money. I don't think he's doing it for money or anything. Cause I just saw the interview he did with TMZ and all he talks about, he, um, cause you know, they brought up the, uh, a rematch with, um, with Holyfield, and they were like, "Yeah, like, are you doing that for like money?" And he was like, "Nah, just imagine, um, just imagine if we do that fight, and you know, all the money that we raise up, and you know, just do it for charity, and you know, just give it to the people in need." And you know, I, I it could be a, a fat, it could be a fight, it could be wrestling, but you know, anywhere that Mike Tyson goes, it's gonna attract attention, and if it's gonna be something that involves money. People, I think people are going to pay to see Mike Tyson because it's just, it's like his aura and his presence attracts so many people. And, yeah. So, staying in that, like, heavyweight division, we already brought up Francis. After UFC 249, we heard, like, John Jones somewhat call out Francis. Not really, uh... I don't know if I'm. I feel comfortable calling it a call out, but you know they've they've called they've talked trash back and forth. And um, before we got on the air, we heard John Jones kind of complain, say the UFC isn't willing to to pay him more money for this fight, and uh, seemingly saying like he's gonna take some like a year or two off. And he's he says, oh, the UFC can get back to me when they're ready to conduct better business. Now, my issue with that is uh, you're a PR nightmare. We talk about PR nightmares a lot. He is a PR nightmare. And um, I think this is an extremely dangerous fight for him for the first round. That's about it. I think he, if he can get past the first round, he can do something. So with that being said, do you think there's credence to this fight? Like, is this something that either of you guys even want to see, to be honest? Yeah, I, I would like to see the fight. But, you know, the, the probability of it happening is, like, slim to, 
like zero because it's a huge risk for John. Like, if anybody can literally be called a knockout artist in the UFC and be like almost the perfect example of that, it's Ngannou. And the threat level that he brings, not even just within the first round, but any second that you're in there with him is just like really dangerous. Like he's in once he's in there, he can literally shut the lights out with one shot. And we've seen that countless times where he's just destroyed people. But the reality is that, you know, I also agree with what you were saying. Like if John gets out of the first round, kind of like Stipe did and just puts a good pace on him and doesn't really allow him to land that blow, you know, it's going to potentially end up being a snooze fest that nobody wants to watch because they have a in the later rounds. So do we want to see John Jones just sitting on top of him for another four? Like, I, I don't really think that that's something that anybody would be willing to pay for. So I don't even, I wouldn't even say that it's a pay-per-view draw, but you know, if we're talking about just them two locked in a cage for a main event, sure, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say no, but I don't think it will happen because it just doesn't appeal, like, in the you know to the, I guess, the business people of the UFC, the higher-ups, because they're looking to put on fights that are also going to be exciting but lucrative at the end of the day. And, like, that's the most important thing for them. So I can't really blame them for not wanting to pay John more money because you never really know it's either a 15 second knockout where he's just sprawled out on the ground or it's just going to be him like I said earlier just laying on top of Ngannou and I just don't know if that's just enough to make a big fight like that happen yeah I saw um, I'm actually seeing right now Sandu MMA I don't know if you guys follow him he's a journalist he yeah, just yeah. he just posted a shot 14 minutes ago of a tweet from Nganu also saying, "Hey, UFC isn't willing to make that fight. They they're not looking to pay for it." Um, again, obviously, I I get the whole like trying to make money thing. I think Nganu has like a clear path to the title right now. So I'm gonna ask you, Zeus, about Stipe. Now, last time we saw Stipe was in August. And, you know, for me, that's not like a long time. And all these talks of like stripping him of the title is kind of, I don't think it's fair now. We know fair doesn't work in MMA. But like, what do you think? Do you think that the UFC should strip him? Or like, come on, out of all times right now, like could be possibly the worst time to strip a champion yeah I, I could agree on that um i haven't followed stipe too much but like i know on one of his recent tweets like you know what he posted um you know he talked about him you know his priority as of right now is being a firefighter and you know that's a lot of kudos on my end um and then i think he also talked about how you know he doesn't have a trainer he doesn't have a gym so it's like he i guess it's like I don't think he's running away from like a you know rematch with GC. I will, I don't think he's scared. I just I I kind of kind of believe him, and he generally doesn't have the time to be a fighter. But I don't think again like that falls into the terms of stripping him because he wants to defend, and I'm pretty sure he would want to fight if he has the time. Um, was it John Jones or it was somebody um that came or I think it was DC. Like um apparently someone said like you know they had their gym open for um for Stipe and. All he has to do is sign the contract. If that's true, then maybe he should go for that as well. My favorite thing on Ariel's MMA show this past weekend with DC was DC said they talked about the Matt Brown fight, which we will talk about. And he was like, oh, yeah, Ariel, where's Matt Brown train? Oh, Ohio. Like, Stipe's from Ohio. And if Matt Brown could, you know, find a gym, Stipe should never have a problem. It's like he says, he has plenty of money. He could build a gym if he wanted to. And, like, how could you possibly think that you can't find training at this time? Like, out of all the excuses, I get the firefighter thing. But, like, you cannot possibly say that you can't find a gym to train in right now. You're a millionaire. 
You're a champion in the UFC. Like, <laughs> ridiculous to me. Andre, do you have anything else to add for this? Yeah, I think in both sides, like, you know, feeling sympathetic, you know, for Stipe's story is obviously something that's going to be resonant throughout the entire MMA community. But, you know, I agree with Daniel. I feel that, like, kind of calling him out and saying, like, hey, like, your obligation as a fighter is to fight. That's why you got into the sport. So why make excuses when you could just do it? Um, but in my case, like, I just feel like it would suck if he got stripped. But if he's opting not to fight, knowing what the consequences are, then I think he himself would be okay with getting stripped. Why? I don't know, because that's kind of stupid. You know, like, he had just lost his belt to DC and then went through hell and back just to gain to not go fight just to keep the belt. And to just stay active, like, I just don't understand that logic, personally. I feel like you could still be a fighter fighter and just kind of get this fight out of the way. You know, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, it was like you were saying, he's a millionaire. He has a lot of money. And I know I've seen fighters who have their own gyms, who have made gyms for, like, less than $5,000. Just in their garage. Like, they put a couple bags up, mats everywhere. And you know what I mean? Like, they just get it done. And if that's what he has to do, then that's what he should do. Because that's a fight that everybody would love to see, including myself. I'd love to see that trilogy fight. But it would suck if it comes down to Engano versus Cormier for the interim belt. Because it's just another division being held up. And that, 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 that for me, I, I don't like. Yeah, so shifting focus outside of the UFC to another promotion... One championship. Uh, Chatri put up a post yesterday about the world's top 10 sports properties. And this is uh, online viewership numbers. So, out of 10, one championship ranks number 4. Just under the WWE, the NBA, and the NFL. And then it's one championship... Number five is UFC. One championship with 5.6 billion views online. Now, Zeus, with one championship, we hear this talk a lot about them, you know, possibly being like a bigger property than the UFC when it comes to uh, globally because they kind of have most of Asia on lock. As we can see with this ridiculous number, 5.6 billion views. Um, do you think that will ever translate to like mainstream popularity for them? Because thus far, it really hasn't. I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they do very good on like Fight T or Bleacher Report Live. You never hear those numbers, and really. The way they book their cards, they really stack the deck. Like, they put, like, five title fights at once. Like, and I think that's a bad, like, move for them. But do you think that this will ever translate to, like, mainstream popularity? Like, main, like, like just like in, like, what do you mean by mainstream? I'm sorry. So, like, like, yes, we know they're popular in Asia, but. Oh, if, like you mean if, all around. Yeah, like if it's not like us talking about one championship, like let's be honest, nobody is. Honestly, I don't know because like um, it's not that I don't I don't like one championship. Personally, I still even haven't I haven't even got um, into it yet. I know I know there's like respectable fighters there, but and I know I, I, they do more than um, MMA. I do like kickboxing and like grappling tournaments, I believe, right? Yeah, they do, like, Muay Thai, kickboxing, all that. I would say with all that, um, with all that that they offer, I feel like it should get mainstream, but I don't know. That's a, yeah, I don't, I don't think it might, I don't think it's going to go mainstream. Yeah, Andre, I was saying that, like, one championship has 5.6 billion views online, now, we talk about them all the time because, you know, we 
we like their talent. We think a lot of their like Unlong Sung is elite. Like no doubt about it, the strides he's taken over there in one championship has brought him to the forefront of that division and between two divisions. Like pluck him in either of those divisions in the UFC and you have fight of the nights and performance of the nights written all over it. Now, I'm not saying he'll be a champion, but like I think that that dude is fantastic. Now, we see what they do in Asia. This is obviously a bump coming from that side of the world, but Andre, are they ever like do they ever have a shot out here? Because they are doing something different. They run three different types of martial arts at the same time. Like it should be popular, more popular than it is. Yeah, it should. I think that um, you're talking about like blockbuster cards that they put on, like having five titles on the line in one like card is crazy, you know. And that's something that should definitely put them right there with the UFC. But the one thing they are definitely missing out on is a major TV deal. That's, I think, what kind of pushes them away from being, like, not just globally recognized in Asia, but also recognized in America. And um, if they did have something like that, um, you, you're, you're potentially talking about, like, massive superstars that could be born where these guys are like getting mainstream TV deals and massive exposure, I mean, on TV. Pay-per-views can definitely be more credible for them, especially with the talent that they have, you know? And and that's the thing. You know, my other thing, you know, it's really not something that's super important, but I do believe that they kind of need to do better at promoting their young superstars because I felt like for a long time, it was really more of the Evolve superstars and the guys from, uh, uh, I always forget their names, uh, uh, Team Lakai. Yeah. But it's like n- nobody else gets the kind of exposure that they should be getting. And, and you see a lot of fighters that are, you know, on these cards who are like 9-0, and 10-0, and 15-0. And it's like they're not really getting the same respect, I believe, as, as some of those bigger fighters. And obviously... You know, they are superstars in one championship. But I feel like if they had something like a... Not like a Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, but something along the lines of that, I feel like that would be really good for them. I feel like they need to expand more, you know? Like, the reality TV route would be pretty excellent. Because I know I would tune in to see a bunch of, like... Uh, young and up-and-coming Asian like MMA fighters who are trying to make it into the big show, I think that would be excellent. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I do believe eventually they will get there. Um, they just have a couple of more things that they have to take care of, and I think that TV deals where they start. Yeah, and it's not like they don't do those like um, they do do those smaller cards. With, like you say, up-and-coming talent, but here it's you hit it right on the nail, that major TV deal. Like, if they can get, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a prime spot. It could be something weird, like some, like, Sunday morning, you know, like, spot for, for the time being. And if they're putting on fights, you know, people like us are going to find it and watch it because, like, MMA, you kind of starve for it when it's on. Like, you... Like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I couldn't get enough of last week. Like, having a card on Wednesday, I love that. That was, like, fantastic. And then, like, I can't wait for the rest of the year because it's it's very clear, and we'll get into the fight announcements in a little bit, but it's very clear that, like, the UFC has no choice but to run more than one card at a time. So when the other organizations come back, we can look be looking at, like, pretty busy times like three four cards that we have to review and preview at a time like it's gonna be tough but i'm here for it i'm definitely here for it so the the last piece of news before we get into the hall of fame is um i don't think that it really stands anymore but if vegas isn't ready 
for the May 30th card, uh, UFC looks like they're probably going to go to Arizona. So, but it looks like Vegas is having their first meeting at some point within the next few days. So we should hear by next week uh, if the UFC is going to run the Apex, which I love that idea because I love the UFC Apex. I think that that facility on video looks fantastic. We've seen it in Tuesday Night Contender Series, so we know what we're getting. Um, but real quick, let's get into the UFC Hall of Fame because we didn't talk about it after UFC 249. But this week, they did announce Kevin Randleman is entering the UFC Hall of Fame. Just a monster of a man. Uh, it seems like he was incredibly well-liked. And if you go back, maybe the greatest highlight in Pride history when he dumped Fedor on his head. Just an animal. I remember when he passed away. It was like really, really tough in the MMA community. It was great to hear the fantastic stories about him. But does anybody have... Like this is obviously a no-brainer. Kevin Randleman, right, Andre? Yeah, I mean, this guy's a legend in the sport, and um, he was putting on great fights, uh, not just in Pride, but the UFC as well. Um, beat some of the best of the best. Um, uh, took a super close like fight, almost won against Boss Rutten, a guy who was seen as the next big thing in combat sports fighting, and, uh, you know, he took it to him, and, uh, like, there's just a, a massive archive of his highlights that I don't think anybody could really forget. Um, you know, a lot. One, uh, you know, especially one that I I remember watching was uh, his fight against Mirko Krokop, where he ends up hitting him with a left hook and knocks him out with ground and pound, and it was one of the craziest like underdog stories ever. Everybody was like, Mirko's a monster. He's gonna knock him out with his signature head kick, and you know. Kevin Randleman just went in there and, and did what he had to do and, and just ended up surprising everyone. But I think that was the beauty of, of Kevin Randleman's story, that he just he was always an underdog. Maybe he was too small for people or he didn't have good striking, but he always found a way to win. And um, he just he had a great career in MMA. And uh, nothing but respect for the guy. Super, super heartbroken when I found out he had passed away. But, uh, yeah, I think that it was definitely a no-brainer. And uh, I'm super happy um, that the UFC um, gave him that opportunity, you know, even though he's not here to really see it. But I can imagine, you know, he's looking down from heaven and is super satisfied with the fact that, you know, he'll forever be remembered as a UFC Hall of Famer. Yeah, and then likewise, another no-brainer. I want to get your thoughts, Zeus, on GSP going into the Hall of Fame. Like, Right in the modern wing, um, maybe one of the greatest champions of all time the UFC's ever seen. I think Andre's favorite fighter. Go ahead, Zeus. Tell me about GSP. Um, I mean, I guess you could say, like, I guess it's about time. You know, I believe he deserved it. All his accolades and everything he put, all the work he put in, you know, in his fighting career. Um, he definitely deserves it. You know, strong champion. Um, he's fought countless battles. You know, um, won very close ones. Uh, you know, um, it's pretty much yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, one of your favorite fighters of all time, GSP, going into that Hall of Fame. Yeah, man, that that was super super awesome for me to see. If anybody deserves. Uh, spot in the UFC Hall of Fame, it's him. Uh, one of the pioneers of, you know, being the picture-perfect example of what it means to be a, uh, a fully grown mixed martial artist. And uh, he just brought that um, with countless fights that he had, beating guys at their own game, and just showing just how successful you can be when you're well-rounded. And really changed uh, the landscape for MMA and what it means to be an MMA fighter and how important it, it is to be well-rounded in the game. And uh, there's nobody, even to this day, other than guys like Demetrius Johnson, 
who who could even get close to how good this guy is in there and the fact that he makes magic pretty much every time he fights um he just does things to people that make no sense you know taking down d1 all-american champion level collegiate wrestlers out grappling jiu-jitsu black belt world champions out boxing you know heavy-handed strikers and just you know making people look like amateurs like that was gsp's entire career and even in defeat he would still come back and wow everybody so yeah i was super happy to see that and uh you know hopefully we can get more fighters like him who can follow in his footsteps yeah for sure so gsp and kevin randleman congratulations i'm looking forward because chances are um mark coleman will probably be the one to induct kevin randleman and it was awesome seeing like his reaction afterwards like ufc perfect on the button catching that reaction as they played the kevin randleman video uh let's get into some fight announcements it's been a while since we've done this so zeus since you're here i'm gonna read out some fights if you have anything to say Please stop me, but there is a lot of fights. Let's start with the women. Aspen Ladd versus um, Sarah McMahon. We have Roxanne Modafferi versus Lauren Murphy. This kind of like yeah, this kind of guts me because like I really want to see Modafferi get that like shot. Lauren Murphy is just such on like the way up right now. That it would crush me to see Roxy lose. <laughs> yeah, ever since that last fight, I became a huge like Modafferi fight. Like I thought, I came into that fight, that last fight with intentions like, oh, who's this? Like she's gonna get destroyed in the first round, and like she like you know she proved me wrong. She changed my mind, so I can't wait um for her to like, sell her career and probably get that title shot. Yeah, I still can't believe what she did to Macy Barber, but that shows how good she is. We have Julie. Julia Avila versus Carol Rosa. Then we have Raquel Pennington versus Marion Renault. Uh, Courtney Casey hopping back in real quick versus Jillian Robertson. Roberson, sorry. <clears throat> Robertson. I'm so sorry. Then we have Arian Lipsky is back, as well as Caitlin Chikagan versus Antonina Shevchenko. So she's about to. Drop another L to a Shevchenko. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some fun men's fights. We have Jordan Espinoza versus Mark De La Rosa. We have Carl Robeson versus Marvin Vittori. We talked about that fight last week. Those guys might kill each other. <laughs> then we have Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin. We have Roosevelt Roberts versus Brock Weaver. We have Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. Andre, that's a fun fight. I, I, I can't wait for that fight. I am very excited for that fight. Then, another fantastic fight. Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen. A fight that needs that. Oh, I can't wait. They made that fight, Andre... Who is Peter Jan fighting for the vacant title? Who knows? I, I don't even know. Jose Aldo. I mean, what's happening? It's crazy. I don't know. Like, what do you think, Josh? Who's Peter Jan fighting for that vacant bantamweight belt? I don't know. I guess... Um, Marlon or uh, Marlon Marais has to be the one, right? Uh, it can't be Jose yeah, Aldo. No way. Because that, that was who Peter Young was fighting already. He was supposed to fight Marlon. So I guess that's me for the vacant belt. Uh, um, that's interesting. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like... I don't see, and it sucks because Marlon's more like a hometown guy in a sense. He's from Jersey, not that far away. 
But um, I don't know if he's going to be able to beat Peter Jan, like, at all. I think that... I think Peter Jan's going to take over. It's going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah. I guess the Aljo versus Sandhagen fight is the number one contender fight. So, so yeah. This is... Uh, I guess, in a way, this is kind of what we were all expecting. Not you know, in the most picture-perfect way, but the showdown between either uh, Aljo or Sandhagen going up against Jan was really inevitable at this point. So maybe we're going to finally see, you know, some, uh, what do you call that? Some structure in the 135 division. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, anything to add, Zeus? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for that weight division. You know, I think we talked about it like the last podcast. Um, with Cejudo out, you know, it's like a big, a big game changer for that weight division. You know, everybody's basically trying to fight for the top. Um, I guess it's like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, what is it? Mad Max? I think. You know, I guess I don't. I don't want to say it's chaos, but you know, I think everybody's gonna do whatever it takes to get known and to get that title. For sure, I cannot wait because I think Corey Sanhagen. I think there's nowhere to go f- but up for that guy. So, and he finally gets to show it against like really elite talent right here. Like we saw what he did to John Lineker. Wait, I cannot wait to see what him and Aljo do in the cage. Uh, let's keep moving on. We have uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good. And then we have Sean O'Malley versus Eddie Wineland. Big, big test for Sean O'Malley. I can't wait for him to go against up against a veteran. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate to say it, man. It's going to still be a tough fight for Sean. Eddie hits hard. He's fast. And... Uh, you know, he's tough as nails. Um, but hopefully this isn't one of those situations where, like, Sean gets hurt again or he gets cracked and loses. Like, I that he can, like, kind of pace himself like he did the last fight and just kind of put on a smart performance rather than a flashy one with crazy kicking techniques. Like, he's really going to have to take his time and be patient in this fight because Eddie Wineland is a sniper, especially when you're coming in trying to strike with him and you guys start throwing bombs i cannot wait sean o'malley the only way for him like we say is up and he's about to show it right now and this is only on june 6th like we are so close to this card i cannot wait yeah man then we have chase who uh rounding out the fight announcements chase hooper versus alex caceres <laughs> Poor Alex Caceres always draws like the the real tough up and comers. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's all the fight announcements for this week. Uh, before heading into the review of Harris versus Overeem, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Exceptional Foods at Home. Exceptional brings the premium meats that you can get from a restaurant to your house, head to exfoods.com slash shop and use code Elroy01 for $5 off your order. This thing is beautiful. Like, I can tell you because I cut the meat and I packed the boxes. Like, trust me when I tell you this stuff is restaurant quality. I would not do you dirty. Me and Andre always said that if we get a sponsor, it's something that we want to believe in. I just don't want to sell you any CBD oil. No, that is not us. (laughs) We want to sell you restaurant quality meat. And that is what Exceptional Foods at Home is. Enter code ELROY01 for $5 off your odor. Thank you, Exceptional Foods, for sponsoring this podcast. So, guys, last saturday we had a very well not we mma had a very rough night um 
Andre, I want to get your thoughts on some of the decisions. Uh, tell me which ones you thought were kind of funky and which ones you thought were a little bit of overreaction because I saw like both sides of the coin. Well, I'll start kind of with the the Song Yadong versus Chito Rivera, and I'll just go off and I'll just say it straight up. I'm a huge fan of Song Yadong, and I'm also a huge fan of Chito. But uh, yeah, Song didn't win that fight. Uh, Chito was pushing him back, and he was landing very clean strikes. Um, he was definitely pressuring Yadong Song Song Yadong. Sorry. And um, even though Song Yudong did have some good moments in that bout, I felt that Chito just did a little bit more. And uh, it really did suck that he lost that fight uh, because he showed nothing less than a great performance against a tough guy, strong, fast, um, and powerful, you know, with Song Yudong. So I know he'll bounce back from this. He's really a good fighter. But I'd really like to see him go for some finishes and those type of uh, high-profile fights. But, uh, you know, the next fight was Claudia Gedalia. And, um, yeah, versus Angela Hill, over, Overkill Hills. That is that her nickname? Yeah, Overkill. Yeah, so I'm going to be real with you. I hate to say it like this, but, you know, Angela was really blessed with this opportunity to fight the number one six. I mean, the number six you know, a uh, straw weight in the world when she's unranked and was only on a three fight winning streak against really nobody like me. I think there was one ranked fighter, but you know, to get that fight, it was already kind of the odds stacked against her. Um, and although she had decent moments, I don't think that she did enough to win the fight, but I can also understand, you know, some people seeing it going her way, but you know, if you look at the statistics, like, the statistics don't always tell the story. Like, yes, Claudia did get hurt, but, you know, I just felt like she did enough to steal two rounds, and that was pretty much it for me. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that that's all I have to really say about it. And, uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to remember the other fight that was close. So, you were cooking. I'm sorry, say. Dan Ige versus Edson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were cooking during that fight. Um, I had to rewatch it, but um, Dan Ige versus Edson, man. Uh, that that was tough to call because Ige really, he really showed a different side of himself. He was fighting a guy who was way bigger than him. I mean, let's, let's face the facts. Edson looked massive compared to Dan. Like, he dwarfed him. Um... But he was really versatile in that fight. But uh, if I have to be honest, I think that like the damage level that Edson put on against Danny Gay, the le- not just the leg kicks, but like as he was pouring it on in the end, like I don't know. I felt like he probably could have stole that fight. I know the takedown in a lot of people's eyes was huge. Um, so I understand how Danny Gay won that fight, but um, Edson looked great at 145 and i'm definitely certain that he's gonna stay at 145 but yeah i mean all of those decisions were a bit funky but um i think that the claudia gadelia decision and you know the dan Ige one was obviously for me the most plausible so yeah yeah i mean zeus i don't know about you but i turned on the card at the start of the Song Yudong fight. And I remember when they read the decision. I was like what? And it's very rare that I have that. Um, that like reaction. But that was one that I was just so puzzled. I'm like are you kidding me? Like I'm pretty sure I just watched him get his butt beat. For 15 minutes almost. You know what I mean? Whatever whatever you want to call it. 3-0. to zero. Two to one, it doesn't matter. Like, I thought he lost that fight. Marlon Vera, maybe, you know, they always say don't let it go to the judges. Do you have that feeling, or do you think that the judges were just blind oh, at this I point? I totally agree with you. You know, I think we turned on the fight around the same time. Um, 
unfortunately for myself, I didn't get to see the whole part from the start to end because I was kind of like, help. Andre was helping me cook on bean shows and you know or whatnot. So, but every time I had a chance to go to the living room and see the fight, all I saw was some you don't get him pushed back, get him hit. Even though he was trying to do what you know what he had to do to win, in my eyes, he was just getting beat dead. So I think when we finally got all the chicken done and it's just it's, we let it like I guess we let it rest so it can cook. I sat down and just to see the decision and seeing him win was like very puzzling. Yeah, I just did not get it. Now that was the uh, like negative to the night, but there were two. Well, one I don't know if I feel okay calling it a positive, but Alistair Overeem looked fantastic. Unfortunately for like the story, you know, with Walt Harris, but you know, you gotta. In my opinion, I thought Walt should have took a little bit more time. Uh, it was very clear that his head was in another space, and especially, like, not just physically exhausted, he looked, but I'm almost positive that he was mentally exhausted. You know what I mean? That's a lot going on. Like, you just lost your daughter. I could never imagine, like, that feeling, like, losing my daughter. And unfortunately for Walt, he didn't get the W, but I don't think that he walked out a loser. Because, you know, I think from all this, for him to just come back in a few short months, I think he'll have res- the respect of his peers for the rest of his career. Yeah, I agree on that. Um, It sucks what happened, but, you know, it's like it goes to show, like, the smallest, tiniest mistake cost you the whole fight. Because he was doing pretty well, in my opinion. It's just that one slip trip that he did and... That was it. And I guess him losing, you know, it sucks that he lost. But I guess in a positive way for him, it gives him a new um, perspective to go back to the drawing board and see what he has to do. Because obviously, you know, his grappling and ground game isn't up there. So maybe, I don't know if it's switch camps or just just work on, you know, jiu-jitsu and wrestling. And hopefully he can improve on that and overcome any obstacles that he has in the future. Yeah, so another star I thought of the night was Miguel Baeza. That was the um, featured prelim of the night. Matt Brown versus Miguel Baeza. First round, Matt Brown rocks Miguel. Uh, Miguel... Huh? Yeah, Miguel was able to weather the storm, and in that second round, just... Lays Matt Brown out now. I don't think they really gave Matt Brown a shot to kind of, you know, come back. But it really wasn't egregious. I think that it was just the beginning of the end. And I think the ref did a great job in kind of saving Matt Brown from a more severe butt whooping. But wow, Miguel Baeza is like going to be must watch talent. Like, I think that he's on the fast track to superstardom. He has a great look. Uh, It seems like he has personality. I mean, the guy's nickname is, like, Caramel Thunder. And and he's fantastic in the cage. Every time he stepped in a UFC octagon thus far, he's been a great asset to the company and has put on great performances. Andre, what did you think of Miguel Baez? He is a Tuesday Night Contender Series fighter. Um, I don't expect you to know that because I know that you don't watch that show anymore. But uh, <laughs> how did, how good did he look against Matt Brown? I thought he looked excellent. Like uh, I, I that was another fight that I had to rewatch. But Jesus, man, like the just like the the composure that he showed and the poise going into a, a fight against one of the more dangerous guys in the UFC. I know that Matt is kind of on the tail end of his career, but he's still nothing short of a dangerous man every time he fights. I mean, you know, he has an incredible amount of techniques and, and just deadly elbows and knees that he can put anybody's lights out with. But uh, Miguel, to kind of go in there, weather the storm, and then start putting on a clinic on Matt was just great to see. And... Um, you know, it was just kind of like the story with Sean Brady fighting Court McGee in his 
first fight in the UFC cage. I think that this was a great step for Miguel Baez's career. Only 9-0, so to fight a veteran like that and beat him the way he did, I mean, there's really nothing better than that, you know, especially coming into the situation that we have going on now. He definitely cemented himself as a must-watch kind of fighter that is going to look great you know, on UFC cards, and it's going to propel people to want to, you know, watch the UFC more now that he's going to start becoming a superstar, because that's what I see from him. I see him becoming a superstar in the UFC and, um, you know, taking some legs with him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, breaking news, another fight announcement, one that I think this podcast will like. Amanda Ribas versus Paige Van Zandt. Amanda Ribas, fantastic talent. Some somebody that we've covered on this podcast uh, every time that she's fought since we've been here. Someone who I think is very very good and uh, going to be trouble for a lot of girls, especially Paige Van Zandt, who's coming into her final fight on the contract. Uh, she's been obviously she got hurt, so she's had more time to wait before taking this final fight. Uh, this is not a good look for that girl. <laughs> I will say this: um, <laughs> there's nothing worse than being given everything that you want, because you know Paige Van Zandt obviously is asking for this fight, right? And then on top of that, this fight's also at flyweight. So she doesn't really have to cut weight, right? Now, just imagine how sad it's going to be for her to get destroyed in this fight, being given all of that and possibly a little bit more money, and uh, to lose to an up-and-comer. It's not a good look. And uh, who knows? I probably, I probably think that she should have taken someone a little less dangerous for this fight, but... uh. Yeah, she's definitely getting what she asked for. And uh, Amanda Hebas, I know for a fact, is going to have fun beating the crap out of her for three rounds if she doesn't knock her out or submit her. So, super excited to see that beat down. Yeah, do you, have you seen Amanda Hebas? Because she's she is very good. Her her I remember the first fight we covered from her. Uh, was a fight that we were excited for because she was going against Mackenzie Dern, and obviously Mackenzie Dern is like a fantastic jiu-jitsu practitioner. At the time, she was undefeated in MMA, and like again, just like Miguel Baeza, has the look, has the personality, and the record at the time, and Amanda Ribas just goes in and for three rounds just pretty much wipes the floor with her and then comes back and beats um random marcos so i think that uh like i said she's she's fantastic and she's trouble for a lot of these girls yeah and she's still learning so much like she's still getting better but you can see the improvement every single time she steps in the octagon and you can only imagine how good she's gonna be a year or two from now once she has like the top 10 under her belt and she's fought the best of the best like we could be potentially seeing a, a, a new UFC champion uh, in some time that passes. And, and I'm excited to see that because uh, you can't help but to get behind someone like that. Like She's soft-spoken, um, but when she's in there, like she just gets it done. She's about her business, and she's a serious fighter. Like She doesn't go in there and waste time. Like She goes in, she dominates. And she goes for the finish every second she's in that cage. And we've seen that against a really tough opposition. So definitely not an easy road for her. But I think that she's thriving under the pressure of fighting people that could be seen as someone who can beat her. But in this case, this is kind of like a give-me fight for her. Because I know she's going to destroy Paige Van Sant. It's going to be hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, uh, prior to the UFC returning... um, we were kind of just like trying to figure out like as a podcast like some content like so that we're not just talking about like oh what are you doing during the quarantine so like some of the things that like i remember like just making like a list of questions like we were gonna do like a Q&A show and one of the questions was like your least favorite fighter on social media and i think like she is 
my least favorite fighter on social media like it's cool i get it like you're comfortable with your with your husband and like stuff like that but like like she's not just a girl to like post just to like get attention like she's like annoying as hell like she's like a 15 year old i swear to god she is like and she's definitely my least favorite fighter on social media male or female like i would watch 40 colby covington videos before i watch any of hers and i hate her voice <laughs> zeus <laughs> Oh, uh, Dylan Dennis. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's rough. Dylan Dennis. Yeah, like, well, listen, I get that he was, like, okay at jiu-jitsu, but there is nothing in MMA that he's done that tells me, like, you're this massive superstar. Like, I get it's, like, the, like, he's Connor Light, but he's not even good at being that. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I remember he was going at it like a like a YouTuber, I believe, and like everyone's just coming for his neck, and like you know, you're this like proclaimed like you know like a, a, I guess a one MMA fighter, but why aren't you booking fights with actual competition, and you're wasting your time with like a YouTuber? Yeah, now I I get the money aspect of it, but. It's like you said, like, yo, if you want your career to go far, like, if you're, if you're saying how good you are, like, show us, like, fight. <laughs> I think the only thing I can give him kudos for is, um, I think it was him, like, some kid got bullied and his video went viral and I guess, like, he got in contact with the kid and he posted, I mean, I don't know if he did it for clout, but. He posted a picture with the kid at a jujitsu gym, and I guess he was teaching him how to roll and grapple, and just like I guess you know one on one jujitsu. But other than that, it's like, what are you doing with your time? Yeah, I don't want to hear it. John Cena's done that a thousand times. Like, <laughs> um, Andre, before we close out, your least favorite fighter on social media? Dylan Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand him. Yeah, we um, already know that. Your uh, your hate for Dylan Dennis, uh, hate's a strong word, but you know what I mean. Your uh, dislike for Dylan Dennis is very well documented on this podcast. Yeah, listen, man. Like I remember uh, at one point, PVC Boxing was like doing the segment where they would have professional boxers pull up on their haters that would talk crap online. And like, I hope one day that that happens. Like, I'm in New York City, and then I see him. And he'll be like, oh, aren't you the guy who was talking crap? So I can just stamp his chin with a nice left hook. I don't care if he heel hooks me and destroys my knee. That's one guy I know that I would definitely fight in the streets because I cannot stand him. I just, I, I honestly, I don't even like to say the word hate, but I hate Dylan Dennis. Like, and everything he stands for, taking fights with bums just so it makes him look like almost immortal in MMA. And really, he has more losses to black belts in, 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 to gra- in grappling tournaments than he does wins. So I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about him in a long time. Actually, I think he's kind of been quiet for a while, but like, nobody rips. Dylan Dennis like Gordon Ryan like <laughs> Gordon Ryan destroys him with proof every time so if you need to know how bad Dylan Dennis is find some of Gordon Ryan's old quotes yeah <laughs> yeah so anything else before we roll out no. alright perfect this has been your boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Beginner. You can find me on all forms of social media. Elroy Prepson. One word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. Andre, we have some shirts. Why don't you tell us your social media and then tell us about these shirts? Yeah. So everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre. You can also find me on Twitch as Flow State Dre too, <laughs> if you ever want to check out my streams. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name Andre Rodriguez. And we are also selling shirts on Teespring, guys. It will be a, a huge help for you guys to support, you know, the podcast by you know 
buying some of our merch uh you know we're only selling it for twelve dollars you know that's the lowest we have some at some different price points but everything is super affordable because we really just want to be able to spread our brand but not be too crazy with the prices because you know we don't want to be like those people who sell their shirts for 40 bucks but uh i just got mines and i love it it feels really good to the touch and uh, our logo our newest logo that josh designed himself was awesome so please check us out on teespring yeah, Zeus, why don't you tell us your social media? Uh, Facebook is Jesus Arriaga Caraballo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. Um, I always forget it, but I'm pretty sure it's BJJ dot underscore. I think it's another underscore, but it's not. It's one. After that, it's another dot and then Zeus. Z-E-U-S. Um, Coming soon, you can also find me on Twitch as ZeusJuice215. Yeah, I promise you, you will never find me on Twitch. I'm not a video game guy. But I am a wrestling guy. You can also listen to me on Matt Madness Podcast. Uh, Thank you to our sponsor, Exceptional Foods at Home. That's Elroy01. Enter that code at checkout for $5 off your order. Um, no fights this weekend, but if it's your birthday, happy birthday, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.